When we need to get things done, we usually put together a to-do list. It helps us prioritize things and make sure that we accomplish the tasks ahead. But when it comes to our faith, what kind of to-do list, if you will, do we have to make sure that we're growing in our faith and also being strengthened in our faith? That's exactly what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. So turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and let's get into it. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we continue our study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, just to remind all of you guys, you can always go to standstrongministries.org and we have two podcasts. This one that you're listening to right now with my notes available on the website, but also challenging conversations that I do with Edify Podcast Network that's powered by Christian Post. And it is a great opportunity to dive into that one as well because if you are growing in the word in this podcast but also want to learn how to take what you believe as a christian with that biblical worldview and engage the culture for christ to be emboldened right you need to check out that podcast and we'd be blessed to have our audience that is listening to stand strong in the word and who want to go into more biblical worldview stuff, Christian apologetics. I bring in guest speak guest speakers like me, authors, professors, you name it, experts in their field, and 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 you know have these discussions with them on controversial topics to teach you, the Christian, know what you believe and why you believe it. So that way, you're able to engage with anybody at any time on any topic, and that's our heart's desire. But it starts with this podcast, right? It starts with us being in God's word together. So thank you guys, as always, for your commitment uh, to not just this podcast, but more importantly, to God's word, because there's nothing like it in this world. So now, as we are transitioning, we're almost about to close out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to close out this letter. Let me give you, as we normally do, a little recap. Because if you, if you missed a couple, I encourage you guys to go out there and listen to them. But in context, because this is important, because what we're going to be looking at now is, is really uh, in verses 16 through 22 about these seven commands or these seven exhortations. And I was saying in the opening, like a to-do list. Now, again, this is not a checklist or a to-do list that is, you know, legalistic, okay? Because a lot of us, sadly we get into that. It's like, just tell me what to do. And, and, and as a quote unquote doer of it, as a performer of it, that's where I start finding some satisfaction or that's when I start equating my relationship with God in accordance to what I quote do. That's not, as you guys know, in this podcast, the approach at all, but we're going to be looking at Paul laying out these seven commands, these seven exhortations. Now, In order to understand them, we have to go back a little bit because up to this point, what have we been talking about? Well, we go back to verses 12 and 13. And that talks about we need to respect our elders, okay? Now, what's important though is in verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Remember that word in Greek is that word build up is oikonodome, okay? And it's an architectural metaphor of Roman construction. That is so important because we need to make sure 
right? To, to, to attain spiritual victory, we need one another. We need to have faith in the Lord. We need to have that strong faith and we need to have that commitment to one another, okay? And we need to have this, because the language there is this one-on-one environment in the church, okay? So we need to have this intimate community where we love each other and we're strengthening one another. Now, to get to that point, we need to rely on certain people. I need you, you need me. Okay, that's not showing weakness. That's not necessarily always just admitting weakness. It's not just being vulnerable. It's a fact. I cannot live life without you and you cannot live life without me. So when you look at your sphere of influence, you're saying, how Lord in my life, am I encouraging people? How am I building them up? See, it's easy to give a word of encouragement. It's another to build people up. Okay, so that was key that we learned a few uh, podcasts ago. And then when you get to verse 12 to 13, and it's about respecting your spiritual leaders. And the word labor there was to engage in hard work. So these are, again, these are people who are building you up. They're working hard among the people to strengthen their faith in the community at hand as they advance the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that they're over us. Okay, that Greek word captures the meaning to protect, to lead, to provide care. And they're also to admonish. They give advice, they direct, they correct, they warn, they rebuke. And the Bible says that we're to esteem those individuals who work hard and who admonish. So that does not mean that every person who has a title of pastor or elder, you are to respect. Let me just be clear. That doesn't mean that. Notice what he says. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. So these are the people that we respect, that we acknowledge in high status, who work faithfully among the flock. And, and, and to bear witness to that is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4, through 4, and then 1 Timothy 3, 1-7. Those are the qualifications and the standard of a person of God who is as an overseer, who is among us, and who is over us, okay? Not over in a domineering sense, but as a father is over his family, who is a provider, protector, a leader, who loves his flock, that's a pastor. So Paul uses such a broad term because he's wanting to make sure that we know the importance of leaders who are pouring into the lives of people through grace and truth. We are to esteem those people. We give respect to them. Now, we respect the office of the pastor because it's ordained by God. But that doesn't mean that every pastor we are to respect. And I will be flat out honest with you guys that there are, there are a lot of people that I've encountered in the ministry for the last 20 some odd years who I have no respect for in one sense, because they're teaching the word of God falsely. They're using it to their advantage in a financial sense of greed. They've, they've abused their flock. Um, They're living double lives. They've cheated on their spouse. They've abused their kids. But even beyond that is lazy pastors. Okay? Sometimes I call them punk pastors, those who are bullies, you know, in the pulpit. But also the apathetic ones where they just kind of do the, the same old thing, just routine, right? And they don't spend a lot of time among the flock. And so they have this title. They have the office. And I don't have respect for those. I pray for them. 
but there's a lot of people that are in these posts that would do it better if they were working um, at the bank or at Chick-fil-A, to be honest. So we need to make sure that when we are going to church and we're involved in a local body, that we are respecting the leaders that are over us because of how God is using them. That's important. And we saw in Hebrews 13, 17, that we are to obey, we are to obey our leaders and to submit to them. Why? Because they keep watch over your souls. So I respect the pastors in my life who watch over my soul. And the Bible says they will give an account. So a lot of times I'm not holding them accountable in every little aspect. Ultimately in the end, they're accountable to the Lord. They're going to answer to God, just like I will. And the role I played as a pastor and a Christian writer and a speaker. And the Bible says that let them do this with joy and not with groaning. And so I want to make sure that I'm under leadership that not only do I have higher esteem for that is an overseer of my soul, but someone who I find joy under not complaining. So if you're complaining a lot, if you're bickering a lot, maybe you need to leave that place because maybe ultimately you're the problem and not the leadership. And so that's a reality check for some of us. And the sad reality is a lot of people deconvert or they leave the church. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Well, that's the bride of Christ. So if you really love Jesus, you will love the church. Now we can handle things differently because there is a lot of corruption in some, in some of these churches and denominations today. And I get that. So we got to be careful there. Now, in verse 14, we see how we are to care for other people. And we are to encourage people who are struggling. So as we're under leadership, we find joy under that leadership. We esteem the people who are over us. We are to care for the needs of people. We are to encourage the faint hearted. verse 14. We are to help the weak. We are to be patient with them all. Because let's let's be honest. <laughs> you know, doing ministry, trying to encourage the feeble-minded, people who lack sufficient heart, um, can be depressing at times. There's been a lot of times I've just been so distraught over where people are at. Uh, help the weak. I mean, this could imply people with physical limitations, but also spiritual weakness. And notice, be patient with them all. We can all do with more patience, right? And there's one thing that I found when I have ended a relationship or a ministry opportunity, or it could have progressed, but I pulled out, um, I would say prematurely, is because I lack the patience. And it, yes, it ultimately is on the Lord. Like I lack patience in Him, not that God was withholding something in you know, kind of like when you're waiting for somebody and they'll say, I'll be there in five minutes and they don't, they're not there until 30 minutes later kind of thing. That's not God. I'm not saying we're waiting for him that way. But when it comes to people, we can lack a lot of patience. There's been a lot of times recently I was speaking at an event and sure enough, during Q&A time, somebody had mentioned their leadership and how their leadership wasn't doing certain things. And they're looking to me to say, well, how, do, how would you respond to that? What should I say to this leadership? And I felt sad for that individual, but also at the same time, I thought it was a bit inappropriate to address it publicly that way. And so I, I just dodged it and then later affirmed that person afterwards to encourage them. And sure enough, there was some bitterness and a lack of patience uh, among um, the leadership with that individual and vice versa. 
And, and so the Bible says love is patient, right? So we are to be more patient. Now, verse 15, we are to handle difficult people a certain way. We're not to be revengeful, but we are to pursue one another. We are to strive to do the good among each other. And now that's the context that Paul's been saying. And then as he closes out this letter, he then gets into this rapid fire mode. And that's where we get these seven commands or these seven exhortations. Now, the first three exhortations or commands, they're personal. It's about rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. So I want you just to get your heart ready as we dive into scripture. And I want you to think about rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. And then the final four exhortations or commands are corporate ones. So we'll see three personal and then we'll see four corporate ones about not quenching the spirit, not despising prophecy, discerning what is good and abstaining from every form of evil. Now, Paul's purpose, I, I need to mention this, isn't so much elaborating on each one of these because what he does is he simply lists these certain priorities and so that's what I want you guys to, to look at. If you were to look at your life right now and say, you know, how am I doing in my faith? I don't want you seeing it just through the lens of how much Bible intake. How am I studying the Bible? What kind of method am I using? Am I on right now media? You know, that, I'm not wanting you to look at it like that. Every one of us can say, I could pray harder. I could pray more. I could pray. I need to pray more in faith. I, I say, I would say the same, but and, and that's one exhortation for sure. But this isn't just a simple checklist, Bible, prayer, going to church, okay? Let's look at these seven and see how we need to prioritize them in our lives, okay? And through that, ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in us because 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, if we're to do good among our brethren, as we just saw in verse 15, we need the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us so we can do the common good. We can do the things he's called us to do because there's no way that these seven exhortations, these seven commands are possible or I should say doable without the work of the Spirit. All right? It always goes back, okay, to the Holy Spirit. So when we look at these things, let's keep that in mind. So verse 16 says, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Like I said, he just rapid fire with these things, okay? He doesn't elaborate on them. He just mentions them. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Verse 21, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. So there is the context before us. These seven exhortations, as I mentioned, three personal, four corporate. So let's break these things down. When you look at your Christian life and you follow this first command, rejoice always. This is powerful because the word rejoice means to have inner deep gladness. So when I ask you, my friend, how is your faith? First thing you think about is, do I rejoice? Do I have the joy of the Lord down in my heart, right? You know, Philippians 4.4 4 says that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Nehemiah chapter 10, or excuse me, chapter 8 verse 10 says that we have the joy of the Lord. 
that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you look at your faith, if you want to have a strong faith, you need to be rejoicing in the Lord. You need to have joy in the Lord. We will not find joy separate from God, period. People are looking for inner peace. People are looking for tranquility. People are looking for a peace of mind. People are looking for getaways. People are looking for relaxation. But you will not find joy separate from God. The Expositor's Bible Commentary says, quote, the uniqueness of Christian joy lies in its emergence under adverse circumstances, end quote. Wow. So what that means, when we rejoice always, you can even find refuge and strength and peace in the midst of trial, in the midst of a lost job, in the midst of cancer, in the midst of divorce even, adultery, infidelity, unfaithfulness, a loss of a child, a loss of a loved one, not knowing how you're going to pay the bills. There is still joy as a follower of Jesus Christ where you can rejoice no matter what you and I are faced with in this life. And I've seen it, my friends. I've seen it in the lives of people around me. I have felt it and experienced it in my own life. And sometimes it's unexplainable. I just know it's from the Lord. It's a miracle. It's a blessing. So the Bible says that we are to rejoice always. So that's the first thing in your life to follow is if I'm going to examine my faith, if there's a to-do list, this is it to help me grow in my faith as I'm, you know, obviously grounded in God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through me that I want to rejoice always. Number two is pray without ceasing. Now the word here for ceasing literally just means constantly, continually. So this does not mean that Christians are to pray nonstop all day, like on your knees and just never do anything. Of course not. What Paul means is that our prayers are to be consistent. Our prayers are to be persistent, not flippant. That's always a great reminder for me as I'm reminding you on the podcast. Your prayers are to be consistent and persistent, not flippant. So flippancy doesn't result, result in faithfulness and in delivery, okay? Persistency and consistency is what we see Jesus telling his disciples, Remember when he was saying, hey, you want to pray, you need to ask, you need to seek, and you need to knock. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. So there, there is not just, you know, going before God in time of prayer, but there is a seeking out. Okay, you are, if you've ever lost something and you are, you're not just sitting there thinking through, you know, maybe it's over here. You start, you get up to go look. Okay, and that's prayer. Prayer begins as you're, meditating in your in your in your talking but then you also you're literally like if you will think of it you guys as seeking out something that has been lost so you can find it god give me direction you're working at it you know if you want if you go to someone's house and you want to let them know you're there you knock on the door you ring the doorbell and that's prayer it's asking but it's also seeking and it's not just asking and seeking it's also knocking and it's it's in the present tense indicative so it's a constant it's it's never giving up and you think about in our lives right now 
You know, if I were to look at my faith in the Lord, is my prayer life consistent and persistent? Romans 8, 26 and 27, Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So that's why we pray without ceasing, or as the scripture says in Ephesians 6, 18, we are to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So when you look at your faith, a to-do list is to pray in the Spirit persistently and consistently. And And a great way to help us do that is one, just make time. Make time first and then throughout the day, make those moments to pause and to recognize the Lord, okay? It could be even as easy as like when I, do, when I record a podcast to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Use this to minister to the people who will listen to it, okay? So that's another prayer I've done today. Now, the third we now see is give thanks in all circumstances. So notice rejoice always, Always pray and always give thanks in every circumstance. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, we all need encouragement, okay? And that's what Paul does. He starts with three personal positive things. Hey, guys, just be thankful, okay, uh, in, in, in your life. Some of you guys have more than others, okay? Some of you guys have a little bit more trials than others, But God's will for your life is for you to give thanks. Because what happens, we could become a grumble lump, right? We could become like Eeyore pretty quickly, myself included. And what Paul's doing here is he's saying, you guys, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. Give thanks in every aspect of your life because there's always something to be thankful for. And that's how we're to live our lives. We're We're to live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. You know, Job's life is a great testimony. He's a great example of someone who rejoiced in the Lord despite what? His personal tragedy. Despite the painful loss that he endured, losses, I should say in the plural, Job's faith was strengthened and God blessed him with a lot in the end. And Paul isn't saying to Christians that, hey, give thanks for every circumstance. No, So you're not to give thanks like, God, thank you for uh, causing me to lose my job. Lord, thank you that, you know, my family is going through a divorce. Thank you for that, Lord. Not like that. He's not saying it sarcastically or in a demeaning way. What he's saying is, hey, be thankful in the midst of all circumstances. So we are to trust that our hope in God is far greater than the painful situation we might find ourselves in. You know, Paul affirms uh, saying, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that's what he's saying is in Romans 8 again, there's nothing greater or more powerful than God's love. So despite what I'm going through, I'm gonna find something to be thankful for in the Lord. Because this is God's will for you. God's will for his children is that they rejoice, that they pray fervently, and that we live lives that are thankful. 
So the question is, do you have a thankful heart, my friend? You know, I love Romans 12, 12, because this is really like a verse that consolidates these exhortations. So this is another thing that Paul uses elsewhere. In Romans 12, 12, he says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Isn't that powerful? You know, elsewhere elsewhere in Ephesians 5, 4, he says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And then he says in verse 20 of Ephesians 5, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So the question is, my friends, are you abounding in thanksgiving? Are you giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? So just take a moment and ask the Lord how you can work in that area of your life to be more grateful So those are the three personal commands or exhortations for you and I to look at to help us in our faith and our walk with God. Now let's look at the four corporate exhortations. The first one is in the negative. Do not quench the spirit, verse 19. Now, again, Paul, he's going to divide in verses 19 through 22. He's going to divide these into two parts, okay? In 19 and 20, he's going to list two negative commandments and it has to do with the Holy Spirit and prophecy. And then in verses 21 and 22, he will list two positive commands that will help the Christian, like you, uh, to avoid believing in false teaching or to believe in a false word, okay? So let's start with this negative command. Do not, what? Quench. Now, I'm gonna hopefully... (laughs) say this right, but in the Greek, that phrase is benomi mi sebenomi hoi noma. So the language captures a strong action of pouring water on fire. Okay. So I want you to, to imagine that in your mind. If you've done it before, you got a fire going and you have a bucket of water and you are pouring that water over the fire to quench it. All right. That's what Paul's saying you are not to do when it comes to the work of the Spirit. Now, the NIV Quest Study Bible says, quote, there are at least two ways individuals can put out the fire of the Spirit. One, by not acknowledging the Spirit's power and freedom to act. Or two, by attempting to do the Spirit's work in human strength. It is probable that Paul had spiritual gifts in mind and wanted people to be open to the work of the Spirit. He wanted the Thessalonians to permit the use of spiritual gifts so the church could be built up, end quote. So think about it like that. When you are quenching the work of the Spirit, you're preventing the power and freedom of the Spirit to act in people's lives, to help them not fall into sin, to advance unity rather than disunity, for people to be using their spiritual gifts, to glorify God and build up the body. When we quench the work of the Spirit, all that okay, doesn't happen. Remember Jesus said in the upper room in John 16, referring to the Holy Spirit, he said, he must come to teach you, right, all things so that you can capture them in remembrance. And he says, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, 
righteousness, and judgment. When we quench the work of the Spirit, then we're preventing the work of the Spirit in those three areas. Now, later in Ephesians 4, verse 30, Paul will write this. He will later write. See, this 1 Thessalonians obviously was first. But he'll write in first, and excuse me, in Ephesians 4, 30, do not grieve the work of the Spirit. So here's what's important, my friends, is we take a checklist in our life and follow this command by not quenching the work of the Spirit. Our job is to uplift, right, the name of the Lord, to proclaim the name of the Lord. We can't do that if we're discouraging the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't be obedient. We can't be mindful of the work of God if we're not allowing him to manifest his gifts in and through us. See, Paul is particularly speaking now in verse 20 about prophecy. So what he's saying, Christians are to make sure that we're under the control of the Spirit. And if you notice, Paul, again, he later talks about this in Ephesians 4, as he was talking about in Romans 8. So there's three other passages that we can look at in Galatians 5. So let's throw a fourth one in there. Where Paul unpacks being under the control of the Holy Spirit and walking in step with the Holy Spirit, okay? So we're not to quench the work of the Spirit. So ask yourself, what areas of my life am I doing that? And how can I go before God, confess those sins, and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in and through me? Now, in conjunction with that, that first negative command is a second one. So these are not necessarily separate. They are two different commands but they feed off of each other. Do not despise prophecies. Now, Paul doesn't provide specifics. I want to be clear on that. He's not specifically referring to what particular prophecies, okay, in the section of his letter. But I do think that what we can do, and this is the art and science of biblical interpretation when it comes to hermeneutics, is we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, to understand Paul, because remember, Scripture doesn't contradict Scripture. Paul's the author of this letter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as well as 1 Corinthians. And, and so what we have to understand is that in ancient times, there were younger prophets who sat at the feet of senior prophets. And those senior prophets were in charge of the younger prophets and taught them the truth of God. And in that, they would teach them false prophecies so they could be aware of these pro false prophecies. You see that in 1 Samuel 19, verse 20, 2 Kings 6, 1 through 3, with Elijah and Elisha. And so when the Bible says, do not despise, on the other hand, what Paul is encouraging Thessalonians is not to reject or question or suspend prophecies altogether. So again, this is something that we have to take precautionary steps in. One is, we have to be aware that there are people who are proclaiming things that are false. See, what happened, what's happened today, especially like the, in the YouTube world, there are so many people who go online and they spout out all these, thus saith the Lord, and we clearly find out that they were not speaking the truth of God. And then what happens now is we become suspicious or we reject then another person who comes and says, thus saith the Lord. Now, on the one hand, as younger prophets were taught by senior prophets, like, do you see how this is false? And I'm like, yeah. But then they start teaching them what is true and vice versa, right? This is the truth of God's word and then this is false. And then they see this example of false prophecy. And again, this is the truth of God's word. This is true prophecy. So what Paul is doing is he's encouraging the Thessalonians not to reject, not to always question and not to always suspend prophecies altogether. Don't just throw it out. There are some prophecies, and please hear me, my friends. There are some prophecies that are spoken by a man or a woman of God that speak 
an authoritative message that aligns with the word of God. Okay, so for your own study, you can see this in Romans 12, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, and also verse 28, and in verse 13. And also we see in Ephesians 4, verse 11, and 1 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3. Let me just read, going back to 1 Corinthians 14, verses 22 through 25, okay? Notice what Paul says. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he's convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So that's what we're not to despise. If God is moving, we are to heed that, but God will give us discernment. That's what we're going to see in verse 21. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. So, yes, don't despise prophecies, but test everything. So if you go back before, if you're not quenching the work of the Spirit, you're not going to despise prophecies that come from God. If you're if you're not quenching the work of the Spirit, if you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to despise the words of God that are spoken by men and women of God that, that do not run contrary, but are aligned to God's word. And also, if you're testing everything, you're going to hold fast to what is good. Verse 21. So Christians are to be discerning and careful in what they believe to be true for their lives. If you go back to... First uh, John, okay, chapter four. This aligns perfectly with what Paul's saying here from John. He says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit." Just like he's saying, "Don't believe in every prophecy, but don't reject it. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good." So John says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit." See, see how it's true to what Paul's saying. But test the spirit, says John, to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have already which is which you have already heard was coming and now is in the world. So that's a great way for us to be discerning is Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, some people can say, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord verbally, but you got to follow what they're actually teaching theologically and if it aligns to scripture biblically, right? If it's theologically sound, it's biblically grounded, okay? And Jesus Christ is Lord and we will know the spirit of God because you're not, you're not quenching the work of that spirit. So if we are testing all things and we're holding fast to what that which is good, we're going to what? Verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. And what Paul does here is he designates uh, this portion of his letter to warn the Thessalonians not to believe or involve themselves in prophecies that are not of the Holy Spirit. I cannot tell you how many encounters I've had with people in the world that were religious or they were spiritual, they weren't grounded in God's word, but they got a word from the Lord or they got a word from somebody else and it was not of God and they didn't discern the difference. Something may have been off or whatever or they were just seeking for approval 
but it was the wrong motives and it was the wrong response. And they fell prey and they believed in this false prophecy from these people and they started to do what they felt from these people or from this false spirit that they needed to do. And they couldn't distinguish any longer from the good and the bad. And they fell deeper into these influential ideologies that run contrary to the word of God. And over time, that indoctrination led them down a path that they couldn't get out of. Fixed marriages, um, control manipulation, whatever the case may be. So we are to abstain from every form of evil. That word abstain in Greek is hold yourselves free from. So this is important, my friends. I want you to go from the picture that Paul started off with about not pouring a bucket of water over a fire to then envisioning yourself, holding yourselves free from, like not grabbing hold of something that is bad not running to something that you know is bad, but refraining, pushing back, okay? From letting evil consume your life. So don't be actively pouring water over the Holy Spirit and don't be actively grabbing a hold of things that you know are contrary to the Lord. Not just in ideology, not just in the false prophecy, the temptation, not giving yourself into that pornography, uh, flirting with people when you're a married person, um, you know, don't be going down those roads, abstain, the Bible says, from every form of evil. So when you look at your life, my friends, as we close out, you look at these seven commands, you look at these seven exhortations from Paul. Let me just give you a little quick recap as we close out. How are you rejoicing in your life? What kind of joy do you have? you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're dwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's joy there. There's joy. So what does your joy look like? Two, what does your prayer life look like? How consistent and persistent are you in your prayer life? Number three, when it comes to giving thanks in your life, do you have a heart of gratitude? Number four, how are you walking in step with the Holy Spirit? How are you letting the Holy Spirit move in your life to exercise and manifest the gifts that he's given you? Number five, how are you listening to God's word? Or are you despising prophecies? The Bible says that we're to encourage each other and not just to, to, to retract um, or to remove ourselves from when a man or woman is speaking, if you are walking a step of the Holy Spirit, you will know the difference. Trust me, you will know the difference. If you know God's word, you will know the difference. So when you do have somebody who maybe comes into your life and it could be out of the blue and they're filled with the Spirit in a beautiful outpouring way and they speak a word of God to you, You'll know, okay? You'll know. It may not come in the form or in the way that you thought or expected, but don't despise prophecies. If again, if you're if you're not quenching the work of the Spirit, you're not going to despise prophecies. And if you're not going to, if if you're aware of the prophecies that come from God that align to His Word, 
and you're testing everything, you're going to hold fast to that, which is good. Okay. And to top it all off, you're going to hold yourselves free from any form of evil that can jeopardize your character. So my friends, I pray that that's been a blessing to you guys as we continue to study the word of God together. I'm going to do a la- one more podcast to end this letter. And then immediately following, we're going to jump into second um, Thessalonians. So I can't wait to get that study going with you guys here on the podcast. As always, if you guys find this podcast to be not just encouraging, but it's really uplifting to you and you're using it in a small group setting, you're using some of our notes at standstarministries.org or it's a time that you're driving or reflecting and you turn it on and you listen to it before you go to bed, any way, shape or form, however this podcast is being used in your life, please let us know by leaving us a review. Your reviews help us in the algorithm. It helps promote. So it's free advertisement to get the word of God out there. And that's how we grow this is because of faithful listeners and faithful supporters like you guys. I also want to encourage any one of you guys, if you have been a faithful listener for quite some time and you want to, you know, see how you can become a stand strong supporter so you can continue to invest in this ministry back. Cause that's, that's the relationship we have here. If I'm blessing you through God's word, teaching it, um, please bless the ministry by donating. You can do that by going to standstrongministries.org, click on donate, and you can become a monthly supporter. You can give whatever God has laid in your heart to give. And let me just say, thank you from the bottom of my heart because we could not be recording and producing this stuff without the faithful listeners and supporters just like you. So until next time, keep standing strong in the word of God.